Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. I don't, is that Maggie out there clapping? Yeah, that's who it is. That's my fan club. And so, anyhow, uh, it's great to see you. And man, we're already into summer. And they said fall could hit by mid afternoon, and then it'll be back to summer again. So, welcome to Wisconsin. Amen? Don't you know, Dre? So we're going to have a great time today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 13. We're in our series called Love Does, and I hope you'll continue to join with me again next weekend as we'll be continuing on in this series. We'll be Romans 14, 15, then we'll end with 16, and then kind of go into a summer series. Um, and so uh, uh, today as we're talking about this, this is a, a theme that uh, we are all called to as Christ followers. And... Um, I'm going to make some statements. I made them last weekend. Uh, I'm going to make them this weekend. I'm probably going to continue to make them through this series. It really wasn't intended. This has been something that we planned way in advance. Matter of fact, we've been working through the book of Romans intermittently in series for about the last 15 months. And uh, it's just kind of this, uh, this, this, this series, this, uh, this expository series that we've been in. And, uh, but it just so happens that it coincides with a lot of things that are going on. Isn't that great how God works that way? And so um, one of the things that um, I don't like doing is what I call soapbox preaching. Or I, being from the South, I call it candy stick preaching. Where you just, you ride certain hobby horses and you just say things and you're kind of playing to the crowd, so to speak. Uh, and again, I grew up in the South, and so I grew up in, a, in an environment of call and response where you preach and people get fiery and they stand up and they clap and they point. And it's just, it's, it's uh, you know, it's just, that's just kind of how I grew up. And uh, having lived now for almost two decades in the upper Midwest, I don't have quite that level of expectation of response. So you can just, except for Maggie, that Maggie's the only one. So, um, and Kevin Nash. And so anyhow, but uh, but, but I'm not trying to play to the crowd on my statements. I'm not trying to get an applause. Uh, I'm not try- and I'm not trying to hack anybody off, although I'm, I'm sure I'll be pretty successful with that today and in this series. But I just think it's important when we're looking at what God's Word says, what does it really mean? I had a guy one time that uh, left the church and said to me, you know, if you would just stick to preaching the text and wouldn't give any application... I'd be, I'd stay. And I was just like, well, the problem with that is, is that we see, you know, even how Jesus did it, it was 10%. He's quoting basically Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And the other 90% is application. It's parables, stories with meanings. It's, it's all about application and it's all up in your kitchen. And, and the fact that what you experience sometimes is called conviction. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not my job. I'm not good enough to pull that off. It's just, I'm one beggar to another beggar where to find food. But we also live in a world where um, everybody's speaking to subjects. And I've tried really, 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 really hard. And I don't get into the politics of it. But I have tried very, very very much so that if, if a subject becomes politicized, I stay away from it. Because I know that there are Democrats at Life Church. Don't you have to say amen? I know there are Republicans at Life Church. Please don't say amen. I, I know there are people that are independents. I know there are people that voted for various people within the election, and some just chose not to vote at all. So I stay out of politics all the way. You have to understand, I grew up in a household of a blue dog Democrat 
to uh, union. I cut the lawn at the local UAW. We went on trips. My dad was an arbitrator for the union. I grew up very much this way. Um, and, and so, but at the same time, I, I'm in a very conservative profession. Not because it's my profession, but because it's my calling. Not because it's my calling, but it's because it's my conviction and my core belief. I believe that we lean so heavily on this book that if it were to, were, were to move, we would fall. And so, so I take everything literal, too. That's the other thing you need to understand. And it's not because I'm stupid. I have an earned doctorate in theology. And so you could call me Dr. Cole if you want to, and that would be fitting for my profession. And I did graduate within the top core of my class. Um, but I don't say that in an, in an elevated way. I say that because I'm not just some country bumpkin coming in and saying, well, I heard this on the intranet, <laughs> and this is what I think. This is what the book says. And the day we remove this from what we believe and this from, <laughs> I don't, you, you can only rewrite so much history from where, how our country was founded upon it was founded to keep the state out of the church, not the church out of the state. And I'm not in politics, but I'm saying I just go back to this is what it's all about. And so as I preach and as I speak, and if I get a little excited, it's just me. It's my personality. Please just bear with me. I'm a sanguine, cleric, type A personality. I, I, I did Lincoln-Douglas debate in high school and loved it. Because the way you crush your, your opponent in Lincoln-Douglas debate is by obliterating them with so many facts that you can just rattle them off that they are speechless. I'm pretty good at that. I'm a fast-talking Southerner, which makes it very difficult to follow me sometimes, I've been told. But in this message and in this series, I'm going to say this probably every time kind of as a preamble. I'm going to get into some things that are very much moral issues of the day, not because I'm going there, because the text goes there. I'm going to get into some things that have been moral issues that have become politicized, not because I get into politics, because I don't, but because this is what the text talks about. I'm going to get into application because, quite frankly, that's the, that's the example that we have in Jesus. And so today, as we're talking about Love does. We're talking about living a life of love. And what does that mean? Well, Paul explains it is that we're to live a life of love as Christ loved us. We're to love others. Now, in our society today, there is this, we've migrated from the, from the moniker WWJD within the Christian circles, what would Jesus do, to a, a new kind of moniker of uh, HWLF, he would love first. And it's speaking of Jesus would love first, so we should just love first. And, and I agree that Jesus would love first. And Paul's going to refer to Jesus would love first. But the problem with that moniker in our society is that it just stops there. Because if I just love in a real soft kind of a, a good ship lollipop, just kind of can't we all get along, I don't speak to to, to the world in which I'm living in. I, I don't have to confront sin. I, I don't have to confront sin in my life. I don't have to confront sin out there. I don't have to. I just, can't we just all get along? Can't we just be this? And the problem is, no. It, it, he would love first, but then he addresses sin every single time in Scripture. 
You cannot love without addressing sin. Why? Because sin is truth-telling. It's me telling you that you are dead in and of yourself. You're dying and going to hell, but you don't have to live life that way. There is a better way. There is a God who loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, clothed himself in humanity, made of himself no reputation, died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And rose from the grave. And because of that, we have life. So Jesus would love first, but then he would address sin. And then he would call for repentance, which is an old, old school word that means life change. That means you confess your sins and then you get up from your altar of repentance and you go and sin no more. Isn't that what he told the woman at the well? Isn't that what he told the woman caught in adultery? I don't condemn you. Jesus never came to condemn us. John three seventeen. for God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. There is no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But there is conviction of sin. Sin, the conviction of sin is a work of God, a work of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation says you are defined by your sin. God says you are not defined by your sin. You are my son and you are my daughter, but you're involved in this sinful behavior that's pulling me from you. Therefore, I will speak truth to you. I will call, I will love you. I will call out your sin. I will call you to repentance and then I will bring you to a place of restoration. That's what he does every single time. But soft Christianity Preachers that don't want to stand in the pulpit and preach this Bible anymore. I manuscripted a message this past week from a man who stood there and, um, and basically said that this is no longer the, the foundation of our faith. No, it's just Jesus. How convenient for you. Then what are you going to preach from? How do you know what Jesus said? It's the book. How do you know what he did? It's the book. How do you know the miracles he did? It's the book. I think you're probably going back to the book, aren't you, sir? Yes, sir, you are. Woo, don't show me now, I'm going to preach you good. I told you, I'm a little riled up about this. Because the deal is, he would call. And, 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 and so, so the deal is, this is difficult to love the way Jesus would love. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Because when we hear that love does, it just, let's just be nice. No, 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 no. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness says, I will speak truth to you in love and in grace. Kindness says, I will love you first, but then we'll deal with the sin, then we'll deal with the repentance, and then we'll come to restoration. And it is possible, it is, it is completely possible to love people the way Jesus did, but we have to do it the way that the Word describes. Romans chapter 13, you're quiet today. Verse number 8. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 13, verse number 8. He says this, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, speaking of the Old Testament. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, just those four alone. And any other commandment are summed up in this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Besides this, uh, besides, excuse me, besides this you know, the time, the hour has come for you to awake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. For the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality. I'll get to all that in a minute. Not in quarreling or jealousy. We'll talk about that. But to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Again, I didn't write the book. If you don't like it, let me tell you who to call. 
Call 1-800-HEAVEN. I didn't write it. Right? Email God, God at God at Hotmail.com. I didn't write it. But biblical love is very different than the soft, anything goes, love equals approval mindset in our world today. For true love is defined, true love is strong, true love is lasting, true love has guidelines and guardrails. It's an absolute truth. Truth, contrary to popular opinion, is not relative. It's not your truth or my truth. It's truth, period. So what does true love look like? Well, he gives us some biblical characteristics of what does it mean to truly love the way Jesus has called us to love. And it's different than this Pollyanna, soft, anything goes the way the world views it. First of all, is it's an unending debt of love. An unending debt of love. Look at verse number 8. He says, owe no one anything except, this is all we owe each other, to love one another. For the one who loves, loves one another, has fulfilled the law. We have, we all understand debt. We've all gotten up to our yin-yang in debt from time to time, I'm sure. And, and, and we've swiped our way to happiness or whatever. And, and money is a debt that's paid off. But love is the one debt in our life that we should never stop paying. Paul will go on to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. And he will say, let all that you do be done in love. We are called to love one another. Doesn't mean I have to like you. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Love does not equal approval. Let me say that again. Love does not equal approval. You can have your pronouns. Love does not equal approval. You can try to change your orientation because you think that you're God and God doesn't exist. Love does not equal approval. You can try to change your own ideology in a very secular world to try to make it just kind of just go along to get along. Love does not equal approval. Again, the love that the world talks about is this soft Pollyanna, as long as you do what I want you to do, as long as you conform yourself to my way of thinking, I'm okay with you, we're good. But the day that your ideologies, the day that your theology goes back to this book, the day that you deviate from what we tell you to do, all of a sudden we no longer have love for you and you're not loving because you're not accepting and approving of my lifestyle, or should I say death style for some people. Not, I'm not doing this for applause. You can do that, but I'm just, I want you to know, because I, I, I understand. I understand I'm on some, some thin ice, but I'm very solid on God's word. But in this world, I'm, I'm right here. Look at it, verse 9 and verse 10. He says, for the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. How different would our world look today if we truly applied just this one teaching of Jesus? We would be in a world absent of racism. We would be in a world absent of bigotry. We would be in a world absent of, of hatred. We would be in a world absent of council culture. For the racism in our world would simply be answered and remedied by following Jesus' command to love one another as we love ourselves. It's not that simple. Again, I didn't write the book. 
It's not easy to implement, but it is that simple to follow through. If I love you, not because of the color of your skin, not because of the orientation in which you have, have picked or whatever, because of your politics or because you're a Christ follower or not. If I would just love you and see you as a son or daughter of God, and I would just live my life in truth in that way, yes, it really is that simple. But the enemy of your soul and my soul wants to say, no, it's not. Why? Because, because the racism that is sold today keeps everything churning and everything upset and everybody mad. It, it, the racism today, pr pr it produces revenue. It produces dollars. It produces all kinds of confusion all around. It doesn't bring life and love and unity it doesn't have people sitting down and having a conversation except for what you see somebody sitting in a studio talking about. It doesn't do it in a neighborhood like you just did yesterday in the city of Milwaukee on a serve day. That's loving your neighbor. That's serving people regardless who's on the other side of that door, door regardless what they did yesterday or what they're going to do tomorrow. My job is not to be the convictor of their soul. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I live this word. I preach this word. I, I don't back up from this word. I, I, I can't approach your choices and they cannot approve your lifestyle, but I'm going to love you, period. Amen. You can't bring about equal rights through some form of equity because fairness ended in the garden. I didn't write the book. That's how it is. There is no such thing. Or you cannot legislate through critical race theory, for we must never devalue one race or one person over another. That nullifies what Jesus says when he says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You cannot bring one down to bring another up. Socialism and a communist mindset will never bring peace to this world. Why? Because in its very, in its very inception, at its very core, it does not believe that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth. It believes that you're a God and that you create it and that you do it. And that type of ideology that just wants to try to bring everything equal, it's a desire for heaven. I'm going to get to that in a minute. It's a desire for heaven. It's the same reason why we don't like cold weather. Amen. We want to get to Maui. Can I get a witness? Because it's sunny in 75. That's how we're created. We were never created to deal with this amount of confusion and disunity. We were never created to deal with this amount of complexity and perplexity. It's our faulty human system trying to grapple with the effects of sin. And that's the reason why God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. That's the reason why Jesus is the only name that you can utter in presence to close a prayer in that everybody gets upset. That's the one thing you can't do is talk about the church of Jesus Christ. That's the one thing that the world goes, well, we just don't know. And they're trying to make Jesus uh, give a good stamp of approval on their sin and their behavior. But when they go back to the book, they go back to the book, they cannot find Find it because it's not there. And so the truth of the matter is, I, I know I'm soapbox preaching, I need to calm down. <sighs> the truth of the matter is, this is not about us being Bible thumping Christians. We should love people. I don't care if you agree with me or you disagree with me. I should love you. Jesus says when they when they ask you to go one mile, go two. Go beyond the law. Whatever the law asks you to do, just, I'm going to, because it's not about, man, it's not about elephants and donkeys. It's about the agenda of the land. We, we, we don't live life in this binary system of Republicans and Democrats. 
of conservatives and liberals. There's a bigger thing at stake here. And I don't think that you should pull back from being involved in community, pull back in civil service, pull back from. No, quite frankly, I think you should run for the school board and run for the county seat and run for the mayor oral races and run for the village presidencies. You should run for the governor. You, 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 you should run for, you, for, for Congress. You, you should get, we should infiltrate every piece of, of legislation in every place that there is. But the truth of the matter is, is that this book says that the kingdom, it, it surpasses all of that. It's about people that God loves, that he gave his one and only son for you, for me, for your kids, for my kids, for the drug addict, for the prostitute, for the pimp, for the businessman, for the businesswoman, for the stay-at-home mom, for the child that's, that's battling in, in and of themselves with what's going on in their world. When we follow Jesus and we love our neighbor, as he has told us here, we'll eradicate, if we truly live this way, the bigotry, the prejudice, the racism, and all the other ills that divide us in our society. Because love does. Second statement is that the timely motive for love. Notice the timely motive for love. Verse 11 and verse 12 he says, besides this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to awake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. For the night is far gone and the day is at hand. We have never needed this message and this truth of biblical love than we do today. Not to deal with societal ills that we've been talking about, but because according to the book of Romans, Jesus is coming again very soon. These are the signs of the times. These are the last days that Paul will write to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, listen to this, verse 2 through 6. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day, this is the same word day here that he's using in, in Romans that we just read. Of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. And labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are the children of light. You are the children of day. It's all the same word there. We are not of the night or not of the darkness. We're going to get in that in just a minute. So then let us not sleep as others do. Just be passive and, and unaware. But let us keep awake and be sober. The reason why I'm preaching with such, with such ferocity today and such passion today is because I believe all the things that we're seeing in our world are signs of the time of what Paul's talking about here, that the day is coming. The night is passing. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is coming back. And I don't have time to get into an eschatological conversation about this, but, but it means that when you see light at complete adversity to darkness, when you see day completely given to night and night coming back to day, when you see the vigilant versus the sober, it means simply this, that Jesus Christ is coming again and that the coming of the Lord is sooner than we think. We believe as a church, that before this service is over, the trumpet of the Lord could sound and time would be no more. 
And those of us in this room that are in right relationship with Jesus Christ will go to heaven. And those of us that are living in our sin will stay here. And all of a sudden, you will blink your eye. The Bible says, in the moment as of a twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive that remain will be caught up in the air, and forever shall we be with Jesus. And within a split second, I'm gone. And that should literally scare the hell out of every person in this room. Because we don't have tomorrow. We don't have this afternoon. We don't have. Paul says, be careful when you say tomorrow I'm going here and next month I'm going to do this and next year I'm going to do this because no man is promised tomorrow. Where's your heart today? Where's your soul today? Are you in right relationship with the Lord? Maybe you're here because somebody in your family got baptized. We're so glad that you're here and I'm sorry that you're hearing me and seeing me sweat like this. But the truth of the matter is, maybe it's to catch your attention. You can keep buying the lie that the enemy is selling the world. But there's something that says, no, there's something to this book. There's something about this. And you just simply, how do, what do I do? Romans 10, 9 and 10. For if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is who this word says that he is, I'll be saved. It's that simple. Then the message today, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to simply say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord and be my Savior. Because I think there are people in this room that you're playing games with God. And I don't know if I get to next week to tell you again. Aaron, that's a bit like kind of, that's that old school turn and burn. That's that hellfire and brimstone preaching. Yep. I'm about two steps away from getting a three-piece double-knit polyester suit. If it wasn't so hot. Because I'm just like, we're, we're playing games with ourselves. Jesus is coming back. This is why we're seeing all this. Wars and rumors of wars. Pestilences, disasters. Things that are happening in our world. Unrest. Colossians verse four, verse, chapter 4, verse 5 says, We have limited opportunity to show love to others. We must make the most of every opportunity. This is why it's so important. Because we have but a limited time to speak to our neighbors. We have but a limited time to share the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We have a limited time to fund missions around the world. We have a limited time to, 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 to tell our neighbor, to tell our friends, to tell our family members, to begin to pray, to begin to intercede for those that are in sin, to begin to intercede and pray for those that are far away from the Lord, begin to pray and intercede and begin to do that, to stand in the gaps, mom and dad, for prodigal sons and daughters. Because he will come like a thief in the night. They will not see it and will not know what to happen. Parents will drop their kids off at school only to find out that their children are gone and missing. People will run to and fro trying to figure it out. CNN, MSNBC, Fox, all the major outlets will be trying to cover up what's going on. We've got planes crashing. We've got cars crashing. We've got things going on because it's the end of the world. What's happening? We're freaked out. It's 9-11 on steroids. The greatest day of church attendance post-World War II was a Sunday after 9-11 because it literally scared us to our knees. God help us. This will make that look like a day in the park. And somebody will run to a church 
and they'll find this book that people said was antiquated and narrow-minded. And they'll begin to read. No, this is what it says. No, my grandmother talked like this. My dad talked like this. My dad was a pastor. My dad was a missionary. My mom, no, I'm telling you, I remember hearing prayer meetings about this. Go to the end, that book of Revelation. It'll explain what's going to happen. People will scour the internet looking for sermons on this. And the only thing that saves us isn't church attendance. If church attendance saved you, then going to, that would make about as much sense as going to Taco Bell makes you a taco. Or going to, being in a, in a garage makes you a car. Coming to church does not make you a follower of Jesus Christ. For it's with my heart I believe and my mouth that I confess Jesus is Lord. Last statement, and I, I'm way over time, is that the limitless power of love. Loving people in this way is not natural. You gotta understand that. It's supernatural. The way the world is trying, but they're messing it all up because they don't have the ability to do it. Because in and of myself, without Jesus Christ, without the grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God, I am one selfish individual. So are you. That's why he told us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Because you don't love anybody more than you love you. For the night is gone, he says in verse 12, and the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Armor signifies that there's a battle. There's a battle that we're in. There's a battle against the world. And I'm not talking about the people in the world. The Bible says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against people. We don't fight people. We fight spiritual darkness in high places, principalities and rulers of darkness. Jesus did it. Matter of fact, when Jesus was casting out devils in the New Testament, he would shut their mouths so that they weren't able to say that he was the Messiah because they knew him. Isaiah talks about when Lucifer, who is an angel created by the Lord, falls and takes a third of the angels with him from heaven. He who was and is to come and forevermore shall be was there. They knew him. That's why there's such power in the name of Jesus. That darkness cannot stand in his presence. <laughs> that, that the enemy has not the ability to stand against them. But we're in a war. We're in a war with, with the God of this world, with Satan himself. We're in a war internally with our own sin nature. And the only way to overcome that is by the love that God showed us. So he tells us with this war in verse 13 to walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy. What's he talking about? Quit trying to gratify your own flesh. Quit trying to, 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 to gratify your own personal wants. Quit, quit trying to gratify your own physical gratification. Quit trying to, to look for immediate gratification. How? He says it right there in orgies. Whether you're virtually watching them online and pornography, whether you're involved with them and, 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 and swingers clubs and, and, and open marriages and, and any type of sexual immorality that sexual, that's beyond a husband and a wife, a man and a woman within the confines of holy matrimony is sexual immorality. He says, do not be involved in these things. And drunkenness 
and where I am, I am, I am going to the bottle or I'm going to something that, that's going to knock the edge off the day and, and, and just going to try to take me away and just try to do this. Oh, pastor, everybody does it in the world, but you're not of the world. And Paul says it's time that we grow up in Christ and that we put on the full armor of God, that, that we stand with him because we're in a battle, we're in a fight. This isn't average time. This is not a time to be placid. This is not a time to be easy. This is not a time just to go float along life on your pontoon. No, today we've got to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We've got to gird our loins about with the spirit of truth and shod our feet with the preparation of readiness by the gospel of peace and take the shield of faith and the sword, which is the word of God. And we go boldly into battle and we don't retreat and we don't surrender and we don't back up. They can cancel us. They can walk out. They can speak any ill against us, but it's not us that we're standing on, it's him. And we're fighting not for ourselves, not for our agenda, not for a church, but for the souls of men and women. That's what this is about. <laughs> Sensuality is anything that's just gratifying to me. I'm not talking about a good slice of apple pie I'm going to have for lunch, but I'm talking about things that just feed the flesh nature quarreling and fighting. Jealousy has no place in the kingdom, has no place in this church, has no place in the hearts and lives of men and women. But rather, he says in verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? How do you put on Jesus? If you go back to the original language, it's the same way that you chose to put on the shirt that you're wearing today. Put on the shoes that you're wearing today. Put on the pants or the shorts that you're wearing today. You put it on. You choose every day in a spiritual sense to walk into your spiritual closet and say, I'm going to choose to walk in Jesus. I'm going to choose to live in Jesus. I'm going to choose to, 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 to live for Jesus. I'm going to choose this. I'm not going to choose quarreling. I'm not going to choose jealousy. I'm not going to choose drunkenness. I'm not going to choose sexual immorality. I'm not going to choose sensuality. I'm not going to choose orgies. I'm not going to choose the world. I'm just going to choose Jesus. And when we choose him, we make no provision for the flesh. Therefore, we crucify the desires of the flesh. And I understand the desires of the flesh are real. We all deal with them. Superman had his kryptonite. We have things, every one of us. And what you battle with is different than what I battle with. And what I battle with is different than what you battle with. But we crucify it. How do we know what we crucify? If it, if it here's the deal. If the Bible preaches against it, we don't do it. It's just really simple. So today, we're called to walk in biblical love. We're called to allow God to put his super onto our natural. Because what we're talking about, love, real love, we can't do in the natural. This isn't a product of your personality or some educational process. No, 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 no. This is a heart change. We have to remember as we leave here today that we're in conflict with the enemy, not with other people. Listen, don't let somebody else draw you into that. The, the, the enemy is not the media. The enemy is not an agenda. The enemy is not a people group. 
The enemy is Satan. And he's making fools out of people and sport out of the nation in which we live in. And it should bring up a, it should raise the, the hair on the back on the back of our heads, and, and, and it, 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 it should bring us to a certain amount of righteous indignation. As Joshua would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our fight is not against people. It's against the rulers and the darknesses and the presence of this world. we got to remember that we're in conflict sometimes with our own self. Remember Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. And there I find this struggle inside of me, Paul says, this war. How do I battle that war? The exact same way I engage in my world. Don't forget that love does. Because Jesus is coming back so soon. And we are called to be ready. Listen. The question you have to ask yourself today is, am I ready? So with every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you just say, I'm just going to pray a very quick prayer and a simple prayer, and then I'm going to walk off the stage, and, and Ryan Coggins, our campus pastor, executive pastor, is going to come and dismiss the service. But if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, Aaron, I'm not ready to meet Jesus, and I want to get my life right with him. I don't have time to, to draw this out. You know I've preached it. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, that's me, man. Just hold your hand up. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? Thanks. Just hold your hand up and back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You're not re- thank you. You're not replying to me. You're just responding to the Lord. Anyone else? And I want to get my life right with God today. I want to get my life right with the Lord today. I'm going to pray right now for every person that lifted your hand. And if you lifted your hand and said, man, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make sure I'm right. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm right with the Lord today. You're not responding to me. You're not joining Life Church. You don't even have to like me or you never have to come back to Life Church. This isn't about Life Church. This is about life change. It's about a God who loved you so much and loves you so much that he gave his only son. And what you're saying is, I accept that gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I accept who Jesus is. And if you pray the prayer that you're about, if you believe the prayer that you're about to pray, you will be in right relationship with him. So I'm going to ask those of you that have prayed this prayer before to lend your voice with the people that may be praying this prayer for the very first time. Would you pray, dear Jesus, I come before you, and I am a sinner. And I believe that you are the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I ask you, to come into my life and to be my Lord and be my Savior. Take my sin away and give me a new life and a fresh start in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Father, I pray right now for every person that prayed that prayer for the very first time, that the joy of the Lord that would be their strength would flood their hearts right now. I pray, Lord, for the peace of God that would pass understanding. God would just be so real in them right now. I just pray, oh, Holy Spirit, that you would just, your word, the book of John says that you seal the salvation experience, that it's the work of you that now comes alongside and leads and guides and directs. I thank you, Lord, for life change today, and I give you praise in Jesus' name.
Amen. Can we give God praise for people that made decisions to follow Christ?